Welcome to the Millionaire Secrets Podcast, where the most successful people in the world share their secrets to help you create the awesome life you desire. All right, welcome to the Millionaire Secrets Podcast. And if you're seeing this on YouTube, glad you're here as well. I'm really excited about the episode that we have here today. I'm uh, getting to interview somebody who's actually quickly become an influence on me because he's very far ahead of me in, in the podcast game. His name is uh, Justin Schenk, and he's got one of the top-rated podcasts all around the world, uh, the Growth Now Movement, and I expect we're going to learn a ton of both his direct wisdom and also wisdom I'm sure he's gleaned from interviewing hundreds of awesome people. So all that to say, Justin, super stoked you're here, man. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much, man. I, I appreciate it. I love these types of conversations where we get to dive into life and business and all, all everything in between, man. So Honor, I honor you for doing this great adventure of podcasting, and I'm excited to see where it goes for you. Hey, well, thank you, man. Thanks so much. I, it's guys like you that have, you know, really paved the way for, you know, guys like me who, you know, we have a business and it almost becomes like podcasting is like this void. It, you, mm -hmm. you know, people are like, well, what about your podcast? Don't you have a podcast? And I'm like, oh, I guess I got to do a podcast. And then, you know, it's like anything at first, it's like daunting and then you lean into it and you get some little wins and you find, you find the joy and then you go look for mentors, you look for inspiration and you're like, ah, oh, this is legit, man. This could really, this can get legs and turn into something pretty great. So that, that's guys like you and I appreciate what you've done. Um, sure. are, are you cool if we just kind of roll back your, your clock and say, start at the beginning? Yeah, man. I mean, you know, it's the, the journey has been uh, long and arduous and many ups and downs and all the crazy things in between. But, you know, I'll take you back, you know, super far back and then I'll fast forward quickly. So it's not this long, gigantic story. But if you go back to high school, um, I always jokingly say when I speak on stages across the country that if there's a senior superlative for least likely to succeed, that would have been me. Um, you know, I was 16 years old. I found myself with a 1.7 GPA. My mom was in the middle of a 20-year opioid addiction, and my dad was in jail. And so if you look at that, kind of all signs pointed to, you've got no shot, right? Yeah. And so it was really a journey through my life of self-discovery, of you know, understanding that I had ultimate control over my life. Like It wasn't the things that were happening around me. It wasn't how I was raised. It wasn't the choices my parents made. You know, It's the choices that I make that kind of create the future. And you know, I spun off in the age of 19 into entrepreneurship or the idea of it, I should say. Uh, and I got into direct sales and did very, very well with the company. Um, but the, the important part to that is um, I, I was introduced to self-development and I was introduced to books and these secret mentors that people can find in books and the idea that I can learn from pretty much anybody in history. And so that's kind of my own path of self-discovery. And I fell in love with the entrepreneurial journey. The problem was I really kind of sucked at entrepreneurship for a long time. Uh, and I had three failed businesses under my belt. And actually the podcast itself, I, was, I had a day job when I started the podcast four years ago. Mm -hmm. And it was really, I, I, I was going to originally start the show because uh, I wanted to learn from entrepreneurs, right? I, I saw that this was a great vehicle to, uh, to learn, to connect, to build relationships with the right people. And so I was like, cool, let me start this podcast, learn how to be an entrepreneur, then I'll go start a business with whatever my passions may be. Um, and what ended up happening about four months before I launched the podcast, uh, it was actually the worst day of my life. I got that phone call nobody ever wants to hear. And it was my sister that said, the doctor says you need to come. And uh, that was the day my mom lost her battle to opioids. And it completely changed the direction of my life. 
and I started focusing more on the inner struggle that people go through, which is like, how do you love yourself? How do you overcome the adversities? How do you overcome the rock bottoms? And that really became the heart of the podcast. And I really believe that that was the success that came from it because, you know, I just poured my heart into every single conversation and then people started to tune in and, and here we are, you know, it was just a crazy journey. Was it, was it called growth now from the beginning? It was. And actually going back, I actually had a co-host for the first 62 or three episodes. Mm -hmm. um, actually, you said you listened to JP Sears. He was the first episode I ever did by myself because my co-host at the time couldn't make it. Um, huh. Zach, right? Zach. Yeah. So yeah. he was, he was the co-host at the time. Um, but honestly, what had happened was he got busy and it was my passion, not his. And I asked him to take a step back and then I relaunched almost like a season two, but it has never gone out of style since then. Um, but relaunched on my own, uh, took about a month off and relaunched and it's been going strong every single Tuesday and now every single Friday since. Yeah, that's, that's fantastic. I mean, as I've, I've like I said, I've, I've, I started this within the context of a, a larger business. It all already has a lot of moving parts and it, you know, it's media and advertising and publishing. And, um, I have a real appreciation even though we already had a lot of infrastructure, there's a very specific, it's a very specific undertaking to, to, to start and succeed at a podcast. I mean, I guess anybody can record themselves and upload it to Anchor or whatever, but um, to see what you've done is, is real. I mean, one of the, uh, you know, take a moment, pat yourself, but it's like uh, one of the eight top recommended podcasts for, is it within a certain category, business and entrepreneurship or just in general? Just, oh. In general. So I woke up one morning and my life changed. So I, I what, you know, it's funny because as you know, in media, people can pay to be on Inc and people can pay to be in Forbes and all these things. And I, I didn't pay for this. I really didn't even know it was going to happen. Um, and so I was on a top eight list uh, of every, uh, it was like top eight podcasts every entrepreneur should follow, mm. period. And I was on there with like guys like Andy Frisella and Lewis Howes and John Lee Dumas. And these people that I, I was like, cool, I want to build the success that they have, you know, in the podcast space. And I woke up and I was number two on this list and um, everything kind of spiraled from there, dude. Like I, my, my audience forexed overnight uh, and it's, it's continued to grow since then, thankfully. But it was just kind of a crazy whirlwind of like, wow, this is, this is actually a thing that is resonating with people. And, and I was touching their lives in some way, shape or form. And, and that was the recognition at the end of the day. You know, th that's such a, first of all, it's a cool story. Congratulations. It's amazing. You know, as an entrepreneur, I, I like to think any decent entrepreneur, one of the, the markers of a decent entrepreneur is that they are never resentful or jealous or of anybody else's success. Like you just love success as a concept, whoever's right. getting it right. So I'm super happy for you on that. Um, but I suspect there's a really powerful story interwoven in that that you may not even really know but i got to imagine it's you know how does something like that happen right it, it was probably one person who heard your podcast like yeah. it that started that chain of events that led to that like it, you know one part-time staffer in ink magazine or you know one one girlfriend or husband or wife of somebody that worked for ink or whatever they like this is really good and then they do a little research man there's a body of work here man i should tell someone else about it and then takes on a life of its own. Next thing you know, you end up on a list probably because the people in Inc. Magazine were talking about it, right? And right. it's, I think, you know, I gotta, if you sort of derive the wisdom from that, it's like no single conversation or no single customer or no single audience member is insignificant. 
it's, you know, how you do one thing is how you do everything, right? How, how you perform on your podcast when you might've had two people listening is what leads to having 2 million people listening, right? Right. It's, and I think a lot of people as entrepreneurs and tell me if you, if you relate to this or if you've ever battled with it yourself, where there's like this perceived of, there's this like perceived threshold that you need to get to before you're like a serious entrepreneur or you're, you're for real or you treat it like a, like you treat it with the intensity that's required. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I, you know, to think about this whole thing, first I'll, I'll say this. I'm actually now friends with the guy who wrote the article. Uh, I've enjoyed a glass of scotch with him on occasion. Uh, he lives in Philadelphia and I'm outside of Philly. Right. But so that's kind of the small world, but you know, I showed up every single week with my everything because that conversation was for me. Um, and in a weird way that resonated with others. Right. And so I had to pour 100% into it cause I was there to learn. I was there to get better. I was there to get out of my rock bottom moment to create the life that I want. And so for me, I showed up 100% every single week when nobody was listening. And trust me, nobody was listening for a long time. And that's the reality of podcasts. Most people think that they're going to hit record and thousands of people are going to show up. And that's just not the case. Um, but I showed up consistently every single Tuesday for four years. Like, and so at this point, for over four years. Um, and then the reward came. So many people, and I think the number, I think it was, uh, um, I forget who said it, but there was something like 78% of podcasts stopped within seven episodes because mm. people don't continue to show up. And so what had happened to me, I was about 30 something episodes into the show and I was loving the conversations, but I was like, this isn't, nobody's really paying attention. Like, what's the point? Um, and somebody had reached out to me from Japan. This is the first time a listener ever reached out to me. And they said, because of your show, um, I decided not to take my own life. Wow. And it was, it was, it showed me, the impact that touching one life makes. Now at the time we were probably doing 150 downloads an episode or something like that. But like, think about that for a second. If I don't, if I didn't show up, if I decided that because I didn't feel big enough or bad enough or cool enough, um, if I didn't show up, that person might not be here anymore. And so I think that we need to approach everything in life as entrepreneurs in that way to give hundred percent all the time, whether we have a hundred followers on Instagram or 10 million followers on Instagram show up because it's that one person that matters. It's not the masses because let's be honest, like there's these people in the space that have millions and millions of followers, but how many of those people are actually taking action? It's the people that take action and the, the lives that you can impact or the things that you can teach the individuals as far as tools and everything like that. It's that one person who needs it, not the million people that are following you. So it doesn't matter. Just show up and do the daily grind every single day and show up as your best self. And you're going to win every single time. You know, I love your story. Um, I love it because you did the grind. I love it because you started small. I love it because you did the grind even when you were small and you persisted and stayed small for long enough that you can truly say, or at least I can observe, most people would have quit. You didn't. You did it from what I've read your story coming from, I mean, you mentioned some of the details with your, your growing up situation, but I mean, it sounds like you, you know, you didn't, you didn't go make a hundred million dollars and be like, I'm going to start a podcast, teach people how I did it. You, you did this as part of a journey of discovery, but something kept you in it way beyond probably what most people, I mean, I got to think, I guess people have all different reasons for starting a podcast, but like, I, I mean, let me just get to the question. What kept you in it? 
long past the point where most people don't long past the point where, you know, I got to imagine you're like, is this ever going to work? Is there ever a payoff? Is this ever going to make money? I mean, what, what kept you in it? Would you say? Uh, I mean, number one, I think, you know, you have those, you hit those milestones of people reaching out, like, like I had mentioned before, but for me personally, it was the relationships I was building. Yeah. Um, I mean, I was, I was connecting with people on such a deep level. And as you're learning, Jeff, in this journey, like you sit down with somebody for an hour, you're going to learn their deepest, dark, darkest secrets. They're going to open up. They're going to share so much with you. And the, and it's really easy to build relationships on the back end. Like I'm friends with people that some dude from Reading, Pennsylvania, like myself, shouldn't be friends with, right? Like yeah, if sure. I texted Ed Milet right now, I'd get an answer back within five minutes or Dean Graziosi or Fabio Viviani or these people. And it's all because I kept showing up, right? And so what I realized was these relationships and, and I mean, this is in life in general, whether it be mentors, friendships, you know, masterminds you might join or whatever, they're invaluable, right? And it all starts with that one conversation, that one relationship. And that's what's going to help you level up. What's the saying? Like you're, you're the, you're the sum of the five people you spend the most time with, like, um, whatever, I kind of botched that, but but you get it. We've all heard it a thousand times. Um, but the reality is it's true. And I realized that I can get in the same room with these people. And it's really funny because in 2017, I set a goal. And my goal was by the end of this year, I want to feel like I belong at the table, meaning I want to feel like I belong having the conversations with the people that I do. And by the end of that year, the Inc. article hit and and that was for 2018. And in 2018, I said, you know, I want to, I want to be at the table. I want to be invited to the table. And so by the end of that year, I had shared an Airbnb with a Bellator MMA fighter, one of the world's top motivational speakers uh, and a Super Bowl uh, an NFL Super Bowl champion came over and we watched a Conor McGregor fight together in my Airbnb. And I was like, holy crap, I'm at the table. Mm. Uh, and 2019, I set the table and I, and I started my live event called Growth Down Movement Live, where I brought in phenomenal speakers and people traveled from all over the country and Canada to attend. And so I found that through these relationships, I found a new way of setting goals. It's no longer chasing money. It's chasing fulfillment. It's chasing happiness. And when I can feel the happiness and fulfillment, the money follows. Um, I haven't, I haven't attempted a sales call in two years and my business has grown exponentially over the last two years. Uh, and that was all by building strong relationships. So, so much to, to talk about in, in everything that you just said. I mean, um, you know, not chasing money, chasing fulfillment, you know, the, the power of relationships, obviously, you know, things, things we hear all the time, like your net worth is a function of your network. Right. Um, so, so, so let me, let me back up. So you said that you got into direct sales because actually just to kind of set the stage, I, I have a reasonable pulse of who my audience is. I mean, we're always trying to reverse engineer these conclusions, but at least I know who I get feedback from. I know who I get questions from. And it seems to be there are a lot of people, and this is probably true as entrepreneurs in general, most people are in the camp of like aspirational entrepreneurs. I mean, just statistically, that's the majority, right? They haven't hit yet. Um, And for those people, I feel like the conversation is always, it's almost always the same conversation. It's like, how many creative ways can we come up with to say it's hard? It's a grind. You got to stick with it. You got to have a big enough reason why you got to stay on fire. Your passion, ultimately your passion is what's contagious more than your product. Um, We say all these same things, but it's almost like we're doing the same thing. What, what did Zig Ziglar say is like motivation is like bathing. 
you, you get yeah. a huge dose of it and you still got to get it again the next day. Right. Um, right. And I feel like that's, so just, just so you know, that's a largely who, who my audience is and may, probably same as yours, like aspiring same. You know, entrepreneurs. And so in a way, I feel like that's my role is to, first of all, be my best student, be a stand for like the stuff I'm telling you to do. I'm also showing you that it works. Um, and I assume you kind of, you seem like a guy that probably has that same standard. You're like, I'm, I'm not going to not eat my own cooking, right? I'm going to show them, not just tell them. So let me ask yeah. this. If I met you four years ago or five years ago, whenever it was before this started, what's, what's the difference between that guy and this guy? Action, implementation. So when I look back, I was absorbing all this knowledge from the age of 19 to 30, right? So that was that, bad at math. What's that? Remember 1.7 GPA. Was it 11 years, right? I was just 11 years of absorbing knowledge and chasing the next fun thing, going to the next event, buying the next book, listening to the next podcast, absorbing, absorbing, absorbing. Uh, and finally, one day I was like, what am I doing? I know what I have to do. I know how to implement the things. I know how to put it in place, but I'm not doing it. So the biggest thing is action, right? Like, because look, there are going to be people listening to this podcast. Like you said, those aspirational people that look, those dreams are real. And I can tell you right now, the end of your life, if you're laying in bed and you didn't actually take action, you're really going to regret it. But the action is the hard part because we have these huge goals. We have these huge, massive dreams that we live in our head, whether it be the, the mansion. And for me, like I want to fill in an arena uh, of 6,000 plus people for my event. Like mm -hmm. we have these huge goals and aspirations. Then we get frozen in fear of, I don't, I can't, I can't handle that. And you're right today, you wouldn't be able to handle that. And so what I did was I, I said, okay, I have the big vision. What can I do today to get me one step closer? What action can I take today to get me one step closer? And now I live in a world of 1%. And what I mean by that is I I try and grow in some aspect of my life, whether it's relationships, health, business, whatever, I try and grow 1% every single day. And so that's my goal. And if you look at the compound effect of growing 1% every single day, you're going to win big every single year. Um, and I'm never over, I'm never over stressed by my big goals. I'm never afraid of them because I know if I do one thing right now, take one action right now, that's going to change the course of everything. And so that was really the biggest shift for me was I stopped learning. I stopped absorbing information for a while and I just implemented. Now, I've figured out how to do both and I continuously learn every single day. I, I do at least one type of reading every single day where I'm learning something. Um, but I'm also implementing the things that I'm learning. Uh, and that's everything from how to be a better public, better public speaker to how to build a funnel to whatever uh, I'm learning and implementing every single day. So are you saying that five years ago or whenever it was, um, you were not necessarily a, a very, consistent or proficient implementer up to that point and that something just almost like snapped yeah you're yeah, was the were you just fed up i was the king of bursts of energy right like i'd get okay. really excited about something and i'd work on it for about a week and then i'd be like ah, no this isn't working because i wanted because all i had in my mind was the big picture right it wasn't the journey that i was going to try and enjoy um and so so yeah i mean five years ago i was definitely that person that i'd just get real lazy about stuff uh, and I realized those events were kind of, they were pumping me up, right? Like it was, that was good enough for me for a while to get that high. Mm -hmm. um, and so to, to answer your question about something, one day something snapped, um, I actually got fired uh, from my last job. 
And so the last job that I had, uh, I got fired from it, but I was building something on the side. Like I had like a couple clients and I was kind of making a little bit of money, but it wasn't enough money to survive on. Uh, and then I got fired and that was my snap. And I went, I've got two options right now. I can go look for a job or I can build this business. Um, and I ended up obviously building the business, but here's the fun part about that story. That company that fired me, they have now hired me multiple times to speak to their organization and they pay me now more per minute than they did per hour. And that was just two and a half years ago. Like that's the crazy part, but it's a really about implementing. Like, look, I took 11 years of knowledge and implemented it really, really fast. And then that's why it was such a, a big turnaround. So don't ever stop learning, but start implementing now because it'll pay off big time. You know, I'm so glad you said that because I've got kind of a similar story in my world where I started, you know, with online marketing, I started as an affiliate marketer and I, I later I owned an agency and now I own an education company, whatever. But as an affiliate marketer, I was like a real, you know, quick success, like a rapid success story, you know, and, and part of it is because I was in half a million dollars in debt. So my standard, my thermostat was set to, I must make a half million dollars or I will go bankrupt and at least metaphorically feel like die. It's like yeah. F or half a million dollars, right? Uh, and so that's part of it. But also, I think you just said it. I had a decade of failing and failing and failing. And, and, and what at the time I thought was, oh, wrong place, wrong time. It was circumstantial. No, it's because I wasn't ready yet. But I was learning the whole time. Right. So when I finally found the right thing, I was in the right place at the right time. I already had a lot of not just the right skills, but the right I don't disposition, I guess. Um, and, yeah. and so I think the, you know, to kind of try to map this and make this a, a super valuable fit for the audience, I got to imagine, because this was my experience, and it sounds like this was your experience, that you spend so much time in this place where it's like, I don't know if this is going to work. I don't even necessarily know what this is. Like if I had to explain it to my parents, I'd fumble my words. And it's hard. So how do I wake up every morning and just attack it with vigor, you know, and, and that consistency that you're talking about. And so I guess my question is, you know, especially if you had a job, what, what was your job? If you don't mind me asking, what were your jobs during that time when you weren't fully entrepreneurial? Yeah. So I, I was in staffing for a long time and then I got into to medical sales. Okay. Staffing and sales. So, you know, those are the times I think when a lot of people, when, when, you know, good is the enemy of great, right? You've got a good thing. It pays the bills. You've got routine that's built around where you have to be, when you have to be there. And the entrepreneurial thing kind of just fades away, right? Mm -hmm. Somehow for you, you didn't let that happen. Um, because like you said, it's not that you got fired and go, oh shoot, I need to start a business. You were already doing a business when you got fired. Right. Why did you keep that fire lit? When so many other people seem like they just let it go out. So it's not even an option. I was miserable, man. Like I was, I was miserable every single day having to clock in, clock out, report to somebody else. And, you know, there's, there's a, a thing that people can do. Actually, this is a cool exercise. People can work them, walk their, themselves through. It's called the seven layers of why. And so ask yourself, why do you want to be an entrepreneur? And then you go, well, whatever that thing, say it's like, oh, I want freedom. Well, why do you want freedom? Well, I want freedom so I can spend more time with my kids. Well, why do you want to spend more time with your kids? I want to spend more time with my kids because they're growing up and I'm feeling myself get far from them. Why are you? And so you do seven layers of why. 
And that seventh layer of why is going to be the thing that will keep that fire lit. Mm -hmm. Now, look, here's the reality that people don't always talk about, right? We want to get on here. We want to be rah, rah, rah. Life is great and all these things. There are times now, even when that flame's about to go out and I'm tired and it's stressful and all these things. Dude, I host a live event every year that I've already had to move once and I might have to move again because of yeah. coronavirus, right? So there are things that we still have to juggle, but what is the why? The why is because I'm, I've never been happier than I am right now. In this very moment as we're having this conversation, I've never been happier. Mm. And I'm gonna wake up a little bit happier because I'm building a dream. I'm building impact, I'm building a purpose. And when you can truly attach all those things, you win. The problem is people chase money, or the, the next shiny object, and they don't actually tie it to what their seventh purpose, that seventh layer of why is, right? And when you can do that, you're gonna win every single time and nobody's gonna say no enough for you to, to stop. Now, there are times where you need to be, your direction needs to change. That's where mentors and masterminds come into play. You know, people that hold you accountable to those actions and make sure you're heading in the right direction. I used to own a business years ago, 10 years ago at this point, actually, um, where I put together seminars and expos that focus on personal and professional growth. I actually just recently posted about this on, on uh, Instagram and we paid a speaker a lot of money to come speak at this event. And we we're like, this is going to be it. This is going to blow us up. And this was the idea of like, I'm going to quit my job and go be an entrepreneur. We ended up selling three tickets to the event. Hmm. And I sold those three tickets through Groupon. And if you know how that works, they cut it in half and then they cut it in half again. Right. Right? So I made like 60 bucks, but spent about 25,000. And so at that point, I was like, all right, we're shutting the doors. And I called my mom and I said, mom, we're shutting the doors. And she's like, oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. And I was very upset. And um, she goes, but Justin, she goes, you're headed in the right direction. Just keep your head up and keep moving forward. And we realized that these failures are the stepping stones to our success. You were talking about earlier, like it was 10 years of failure before I figured out how to do it. And I needed those failures, but we have to make sure we're headed in the right direction. And so that's why I think coaches and mentors are so important. And I, I keep going like this with my hands because they stand behind you and I feel like they just do this. Dude, you got it? Just go like this, right? It's that little yeah. adjustment. You need that one degree of, of change. Um, and so, yeah, man, for me, it was really realizing that I was in the right path. I just needed to find the vehicle. Um, and the podcasting ended up being the vehicle because I love these conversations and um, I was able to build a business around it. I got lucky. I might challenge you on the getting lucky, thing, but, but I think you know where that where I'd go with it, anyways. Um, but but okay, so actually, two questions come to mind. One is you mentioned podcasting's the vehicle for you. Yeah, podcasting's just as a as a I think a a clear a position clarity. You're you wouldn't say that everybody should start a podcast, or would you? No, I wouldn't. I don't think everybody should start a podcast, but I think everybody can utilize a podcast. Okay. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Um, and I think that what's important is, I mean, it doesn't really matter what the vehicle is. You know, I'm coming along 12 years after I started online marketing and going, Hey, you know, it's time I'll, I'll, I'll attach a podcast. It doesn't mean I'm not serious about it, but it wasn't my main thing. For you, the main thing was a podcast. For some people, the main thing is a book. For some people, the main thing is speaking. For some, the main thing is selling shoelaces. Yeah. It doesn't matter, right? Um, so, so that's my first, my first point, which I already knew you'd agree with, but now we've, now we've said it. No, for sure. And let me just add to that really quick. Look, I didn't think podcasting was going to be the vehicle. My, my ultimate okay. goal with what I wanted to do was travel the country and speak on stages about my story and inspire people. 
because I went through some crap and I turned out okay, right? Like that's my whole thing. I want people to look at me and go, if that guy can do it, I can do it too. Like, that's my goal. Um, and so I was like, I'm going to write a book and that book is going to get me on stages and this is what I'm going to do. Well, four plus years into the podcast, still no book. Um, a publishing company wants me to write one. So we'll see if that comes. Um, but still no book, but I'm speaking on stages. Right. But the podcast became the vehicle for that, which built the business, which earned my spot on that stage. So when you have a big goal, you have to be available and open to what the universe is showing you, right? Like, what are you hearing a lot of? Like, people are like, dude, you're really curious. You're really good at asking questions. You're really good at this thing. Boom, podcasting, right? right. People are like, yo, you're really good with your words. You're a really good writer. Okay, cool, book. But like that person who's really good with their words and a really good writer might be like, I want to do a podcast. Get out of your own way. Yeah. Pay attention to what people are telling you to do because those are the people that, that, that are like, they, okay, they might buy your product or they might listen to your podcast or buy your book or whatever. Mm -hmm. Listen to the people around you and that's going to give you the direction and how to get to the end goal. And incidentally, uh, if all you were doing was speaking on stages, this uh, pandemic would have <laughs> hit you a lot harder than it probably has, right? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> now it's, it's, it's sent everyone home to listen to your podcast, right? There you go. Uh, so, okay, the other question uh, I want to ask you, if you're, I, I don't suspect that you're, you're closed off to asking like deep personal questions, right? No. Yeah, I'm good. I kind of just painted you in a corner or what are you going to say? No, don't ask me. <laughs> <laughs> but th that said, I actually have a very sincere question. You mentioned some of your, your family background. Um, your mom struggled with an addiction. You said your, your father passed away. No, he, he spent some time in jail. My dad, oh, yeah, uh, that's right, that's right. yeah, my dad's still very much alive and we're, we're very close now. Yeah. Okay. So you grew up with a lot of turbulence, a lot of uncertainty, probably a lot of adaptation and improvisation just to survive and find your path, right? As a kid. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, do you feel like, and, and so on the flip side, you did not grow up with a banker and a lawyer who are saving you a bunch of money to go to, you know, a big state college and get a degree in engineering or whatever. Like you didn't have this white collar professional path paved already for you to go down and with the, with the expectations that come with that. Right. Mm -hmm. How much do you feel that was a factor in both your desire to, and also your ability to succeed on the path that you actually ended up on? I mean, it was everything. Uh, it was absolutely everything, you know, to, to watch struggle and I'll kind of, I'll go a little bit deeper into that story. So uh, I had a very, very normal childhood until I was 12. Um, at that point, my dad ended up going, he started to his own business. So he ended up being broke for, for a number of years trying to build that. My mom ended up getting fired from her job. She was actually a pharmacist. Um, she got caught stealing pills, which is what was the start of the addiction when I was 12. And, um, you know, that kind of rocked my world. So I went from living in a half a million dollar home at 12 to my dad moved into a trailer. My mom moved into a two bedroom apartment when they got a divorce and everything shifted. And I saw these downward spirals of their actions. And I was like, I don't, I, I don't know what I want in life at 12, 13, 14, 15, 16 years old. Um, but I know I didn't want that. Mm -hmm. And so what it did is it made me curious. It made me ask the questions I needed to ask to build the life that I want. And so it was everything, man. Um, the crazy thing is I wouldn't, I wouldn't have this podcast. I wouldn't be speaking on stages if my mom never passed away. And there's like a weird inner kind of battle in like internal battle with that with me. Um, but the reality is like, I think if she was still alive or she could come back and talk to me, she'd tell me she was proud. 
Um, but the reality is like, I wouldn't be doing anything if, if all of these terrible things didn't fall in line in my life. But that was, that was, that was my jumping off point. Ed, like Ed Milet says all the time, life is happening for me, not to me. And so it was about not playing the victim when I could have easily played the victim and, and everybody probably would have accepted it. It's like a simultaneous experience of gratitude and grief, almost yeah. the way you describe it. That's, that's powerful. And isn't that a metaphor, almost a philosophy for basically for entrepreneurship in general, to be able yeah. to simultaneously experience gratitude and grief for all of your, your failures or your tragedies or whatever, uh, and, and find your way through without having to pick one or the other. Yeah, it's true. And I, and I love actually, it's never been worded that way to me. And I love that. So thank you for, for wording it that way. Um, I think a lot of people are going through that right now with, with Hmm. coronavirus and the quarantine, right? Like we're all, we're all experiencing some forms of grief. We've been through all of it. We've done the anger. We've done the sadness. We've done like, I feel like everybody's gone through all those phases of what grief is. Um, but we have to find the gratitude in it, especially as entrepreneurs, right? We have to find the gratitude in these moments of the world slowing down and being able to reconnect on a different level and all these other things. Um, and so if you're able to kind of navigate this whole entire thing, emotionally at, at a stable level, you could be an entrepreneur. Like it's a great example of what it is like every single day in the trenches of building a business because it's not easy, but you have to be grateful for every single little win in the beginning. Because if not, you're going to crash and burn real quick. Uh, and, and, and yeah, maybe, maybe me going through life in that way set me up to be able to handle the, the ups and downs of, of what entrepreneurship is. Yeah. It's, it's interesting uh, it's, it is, it's like, it's being an entrepreneur. It's kind of like being a survivalist. Like yeah. you spend all this time preparing for this thing that honestly, for some, it never comes, you yeah. know, but, uh, it's, it's a way. And, and I think that's really important, you know, in terms of the conversation that we're having and what I assume is a, is a shared intention here, which is to empower and embolden some people who frankly, you know, my experience says a lot of aspiring entrepreneurs don't get a lot of support from their friends and family, you know? Right. And maybe they're coming here to get it from us um, and to inspire them that like, it's not a thing you do and it's certainly not a target you hit. It's a way that you become. Mm. And, and the only way you get there is through, honestly, it's through repetition and failure, right? Yeah. yeah um, that, I mean, that's, that's the only way you're going to learn what you need to learn right? You can have all the lessons you, you need in life, but your story isn't that other person's story, right? Like Anthony Trucks, for instance, who's a good friend of mine, played in the NFL. Now he's a, a speaker and all these other things. And, and they go, well, that's not my story. Like his story is crazy, right? He grew up in foster care and was beaten and all these things, made it to the NFL. Like everybody's story is different and you have to fail for yourself in order to learn the tools and the, the things that you need, right? It's a real quick way to learn your, your weaknesses and, and your weak points. Um, and then going forward, you look, you might not be able to improve those weak points, but you'll be smart enough to go hire somebody the next time. Cause you're not going to run, <laughs> you're not going to run into the same thing, you know? Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's, I think it's necessary. I have not met one successful individual in the entrepreneurship space that hasn't failed more, way more times than they've been successful. You know, I, I actually just shot a YouTube video earlier, two of them. One was called, uh, how success can ruin your life. 
which is basically if you don't learn all the lessons through failure on your way to your success, it's probably not built to last anyways. And the other was, um, actually shoot, what was, it? oh, it was like why failure is not a bad thing. And it was basically the same video with different language. But in the, in the second one, I actually had a couple quotes that I pulled and one was Jeff Bezos talking about the culture at Amazon. And, and I, do you, do you follow much of, of Jeff Bezos? Uh, I, I do actually there. I don't follow a ton about him, but there's actually a book that I recommend everybody read called the Bezos letters. Um, Is it all his shareholder letters? Yeah. So it's br the breakdown of his shareholder letters. And what they did was they pulled out the, I think the 15 uh, points that they built Amazon off of. Uh, it was actually written by a good friend of mine, uh, Steve, Steve and his wife, Karen. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's called the Bezos letters, the Bezos letters. Yep. Oh, I'm, I'm literally <laughs> Googling it. I'm going to save it on my browser to check out after, after our conversation. It sounds amazing. I study a lot of Bezos and I, you know, if you Google Jeff Bezos quotes or Jeff Bezos wisdom, so often they pull it from these shareholder letters that are like these like epic. And the nice thing is they're digestible, right? They're not books right. uh, and they're just so epic. But one of the big things he talks about is the culture of failure at Amazon. And I've never actually heard somebody use that term. We have a culture of failure. Like that's pretty powerful. When the richest yeah. guy in the world says of one of the biggest companies in the world that's one of the most logistically complex and finely tuned precision machines in the world, we have a culture of failure. And what he says is, he's like, look, every big gamble as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, as a leader, whatever, has, let's say it has a hundred to one payoff. So mm -hmm. by definition, if somebody says, oh, you have a, you have a, you're going to fail at that nine out of 10 times. He's like, you should take that bet every time because it's got a hundred to one payoff. Right. So even if you, you do it 10 times, you, you, you fail nine, you hit once and you make a hundred times. So you actually still made 10 times return, right? You know, 10 yeah. on 10. So it was pretty cool. And, he's, and he says, you know, I've spent billions and I've invested billions and billions of dollars to fail. And, and look, I get it. It's easy to go, well, it's Jeff Bezos and that's Amazon, right? But the thing is you read his story, they were doing it before they were who they are now. Um, right. And I'm curious how you, how you became, let's call it risk tolerant and or failure tolerant enough to get where you are? Because it sounds like you've had a classic story of screwing up enough to finally arrive. Yeah. So one, one thing I'll add to the Bezos thing really quick, because I love that you brought that up. Do you remember, do you remember the Amazon phone? No, tell me. Nobody does, right? <laughs> so they've spent, they spent like $180 million on developing this phone. And essentially all the phone did was you could buy off of Amazon, right? That was, that was the whole purpose of it. Um, so it failed miserably. They lost a ton of money on it. But the components that were in that phone are what you see now with Alexa and everything oh. else in between. She just woke up, so I apologize. She's listening to me right now. Uh, who's that? Um, your, your your baby or you have a, a no 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 like the the Amazon Echo oh, Alexa because I said oh, her name, um, and I always worry like okay I don't want her to start talking in the middle of these things, but like that's that's the components of the Echo and everything else. So it's now made them billions, right. right? And so you talk about that failure that leads to massive successes because you might take one thing out of that and put it into the next, 
Um, and that's, and that's the point of failure because you're learning as you're going. But I think for me, honestly, man, it's just really how I was raised. Like, right. So I, I tell you about my parents and, and the things they go through, but one thing I want to highlight is they were really good parents. Um, and they loved me unconditionally and they supported me in all my dumb ideas. And so for me, I was lucky in that sense. And so no matter how many brick walls I hit, I just kept going. Let's find the next thing. Um, because I think for a really long time, I was chasing happiness. I didn't really know what that looked like. Um, and, and there's a whole, that's a whole nother episode, but I, you know, I think I was, ch I was chasing happiness through the whole thing. So it made it easier. Cause I went, Nope, still not happy. Nope. Still not happy. Mm -hmm. Right. And so it was just really about trying to fulfill these holes that I had in myself, um, you know, with, with the, the entrepreneurship game. And I finally, you know, I, I finally got something that hit and it worked. Um, and it's become a great platform to fill holes in so many other people too. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really powerful. Do, do you think, do you think you, let, let's say it doesn't happen. Let's say podcasting doesn't turn out to be the thing. Could you have kept going for 10 more years, five more years? I mean, maybe, maybe that's a silly question, but maybe not. It's not a silly question. Cause I thought about that. Like I've thought about like, will I be that? married guy with kids who's chasing who's like chasing this this thing that he's been doing it forever and he's like the crazy cuckoo guy who just keeps failing right i thought about that um and the answer is yes i i was a, i was totally okay with accepting that role if i couldn't figure out how to build this because um at that point even it's a, it's a greater reason to do it because then you have a family to support and you have all these other things and so um i think i would have just kept going and I, look, I'm still going like, like, let's be real. Like, yes, podcasting is a thing right now. There's now over a million active podcasts. When I started, there was something like 240,000 active podcasts. It's exploded. Um, but the reality is like, it could not be the thing in two years. Yeah. So I'm constantly looking for the next thing, the next stream of income. Like, here's the thing. Speaking is one thing I do. I also own a podcast production and coaching company. I also run a mastermind. I also do consulting. I also do. So there's multiple streams of income within this infrastructure, all tied to the same thing, giving people the way to design the life that they want to live. So they're happy. Every single thing that I do, it aims at that one thing, but is all these different ways to do it. Um, and so that's really what I've built out. And I did that on purpose because I know dang well, at some point someone's going to go, yeah, podcasting, I don't really like it anymore or they're going to completely mess up the formatting or whatever. Like nobody listens to the radio anymore. Right. right? So right. there's these radio disc jockeys that are like, Hey, and they're talking to nobody. And that could very well be me in a number of years. So it's about setting myself up for success long-term now. So, okay. You, you bring a great, uh, bring up a great question that I know so many young entrepreneurs are struggling with. I know I did. Um, I still do, which is the, the juggle or the tension between to be really successful at something, you know, you have to be super focused and put an almost unreasonable amount of energy into that thing. But we're always hearing about smart entrepreneurs develop multiple streams of income. You know, smart people, smart investors diversify risk, right? So what would, how do you counsel the new entrepreneur on how to balance their time between going all in on one thing that might work or might not versus assessing multiple opportunities and perhaps trying to seize more than one at the, at, at the same time. Yeah. I mean, if they have nothing going on right now, I say focus on one thing, like build that base that build that security for yourself. So you can then go explore 
other avenues. Like I'm a big believer in making sure that safety net is there. I know that's the opposite of what most people say. They you know, take take the leap. I don't right. I don't I think that's I think that at for most people that's asinine. Don't just take the leap. Build the security platforms first and then build the things around it. Like I, I wasn't like I'm gonna I'm gonna build all these things at once and then it worked out. Like it was like okay I built the thing. I, like the podcast production thing was the first big hit for me. Podcast production and coaching. Cool. What's, what can I layer on top of that? Now that I'm not as focused on that, what else can I focus on, right? And then the speaking opportunities came and then the live event. Honestly, majority of the year, most of my energy goes into the live event because that's what I'm, I'm most passionate about. But I have people that help with the podcast production now. So I don't need my energy there all the time. Um, and so for me, it's really about, okay, now I have the space, I can go create the next thing. But first I had to build that security blanket for myself to be like, okay, now I can jump in the deep end, invest in this, invest in this. Uh, I mean, it's funny that I hold an event now because I just told you the story about the failed event. Um, the only thing is events are much more expensive than they were back then. Uh, and so it's a bigger risk. But for me, I say, build the first thing first. Get really solid on your thing. What's your thing? Mm -hmm. And then you can build and evolve outside of that. You know, I, uh, I think one of the challenges that a lot of people have, and, and, and frankly, it's one of the reasons I, I actually said, yes, I'm going to start the podcast, even though I need another project, like I need a, another hole in my head. Um, <laughs> but, and, and I love it. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's like, I super in love with the, the format, but uh, one of the reasons I said yes, and, and I really put a lot of emphasis on that and my YouTube channel is because I'm so genuinely committed to trying to reach people that are where I was 15 years ago, you know, just the new incipient person that has more energy than clarity, let's say. Um, yeah. And with that, I think there's a little bit of a gap in the entrepreneurial leadership and education world. And, or maybe this is just my own trying to create my own need, my own importance, right? But it seems like there's a gap where so often we're out there being influenced by people that are where we want to be. And we're trying to map where they are to where to what we should do. So like we're going, well, Richard Branson's the CEO of, of nine companies. Right. Okay, great. Richard Branson probably spent 20 years as the CEO of one company. And then maybe added a second for like 15 more. And then probably in like the last two years, you know, because he had all this money, he had all these resources, like, you know, popped up five more companies, right? And so it doesn't mean you look at where Richard Branson is, or Steve Jobs was, or Elon Musk is, or Jeff Bezos, and go, oh, that's what I need to do. No, you got to learn how to dig into people's histories, or listen to podcasts like the Growth Now Movement, and get back to where they were when they were 21 years old. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that's, I think that's a gap. And I, I, I say that as like a cautionary moment, you know, comparison is the thief of happiness. I, I say that all the time. I stole that. I, I say, I think I stole it from Teddy Roosevelt. I don't know, but I think this comparing ourselves to the billionaires and comparing ourselves to the Titans of industry is like a huge trap to fall into, you know, e even comparing ourselves to big successful pod. You mentioned Andy Frazella and Ed Milet and guys like that. Like, that's a hard comparison to weather when right. you're like personally starting out. Right. So I'm curious, uh, I'm curious your thoughts on that. And I'm curious, like, where would you steer that person who has more energy than clarity right now uh, as a place, something they can sink their teeth into and just try to get some traction. 
Yeah, I think I think finding the right mentor um, that can guide you along the way, the right way, right? Because like you said, there are so many people, Gary Vaynerchuk and all these people go right. like, they're, they're speaking at this level that's just not comprehensible. Like you, you can't, you can't jump in like Gary, first of all, Gary is like, be on every social media platform, do this. He has a team of 15 people that does his social media. Like yeah. it's not, it's not possible. So if you can get a mentor or hop into a mastermind that's going to teach you step one, step two, step three, um, I think that's really important. Now I will always do an asterisk and say, make sure you don't hop around. Like if somebody has too much energy, they're going to hop from one mentor, go, Oh, I'm not there fast enough. I got to hop to the next understand one. It takes time. It takes energy. It takes focus to find the right person, but at the same time, stick with them, give them the opportunity to earn your trust, uh, to earn your business, to earn your, their men, the, the mentorship title for like to you. Right. Um, and then from there you start to implement, I mean, Again, for me, it was the implementation that changed my life, but I wouldn't have been able to do it if I, if, if I didn't have the right support system. Who, um, who were your big mentors at the time when you, you kind of made that switch? Uh, so actually, still good mentors of mine are people like Justin Cavanaugh, uh, who is, he's like a top five speed and performance coach, but also a business consultant. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Fabio Viviani is a, a great mentor of mine. A guy named Chuck Balsamo. Uh, who's a, a business coach, is a, a mentor and friend of mine. Um, so these people, and look, they're all at different places. They're all in different brands, but they understood, they understood what I was going through when it came to the growing pains and what I needed to implement. Um, I mean, Fabio owns 36 restaurants. You might know him from America's Top Chef if people are listening. Um, but like when I was, ha- I was texting with him the other week and he's like, dude, right now because of this, I'm losing $5 million a week. Like I'm not there yet, bro. Like I'm not at a place where I can lose $5 million a week. Um, but he's a mentor of mine that can guide me in the, in certain realms, right? Like, how do I build a platform? How do I reach more people? How do I make an impact? How do I, how do I put the systems into place? So everything flows properly within my business, you know? And so those are still my three main people. And they were two, two and a half years ago too. Do you manage your own operations within your business? I do. So everything kind of runs through me. I oversee all that stuff just to make sure it's done properly. I, in the podcast production side, and the reason I don't overly sell it in any way, shape or form, I, I work with higher profile people. Um, and so they need to be, I need to make sure it's getting done properly. Uh, and so it's really about overseeing, not, not necessarily the X's and O's by, by myself, but making sure that it's done properly. Uh, and then the build out of everything, it's still, it's still very much me. Like I, I handle my own speaking bookings and all that stuff too. Um, just because I'm real picky with stuff, man. Like I don't, I don't want to show up somewhere and like not want to be there and speaking. I don't, that's that for me, the money isn't the main thing. Um, but like, I want to do stuff that resonates with me and I know I'm going to resonate with them. I've, I mean, people have called me and said, Hey, we want to hire you to speak. And I'm like, I, it's not going to impact anybody in that room. So why would I do it? I'm not going to do it for the, you know, the money you're paying me. That's stupid. Uh, how, how many hours in terms of your, your workload, how many hours would you say you spend out at the front of your business being seen versus how many hours you spend behind the scenes getting, you know, moving the pieces around? Yeah, it's probably about 70, 30. Uh, at this point, I'm about 70% being seen, 30% moving the pieces. Um, Cause I've, I have enough checks and balances in life and uh, in, in, in the businesses that I have that I, it's kind of almost running itself. And so right now with the time that we're in, I want to make sure I come out, of this pandemic, uh, an uptick of, in front of everybody else. Mm-hmm. And so I'm 70% being seen right now, 30% in the business. 
Um, but that flip-flops, that changes all the time. It depends on where it needs to be and, and where I see kind of future projections. But right now I was like, look, people need to hear a sane voice because there's a lot of not sane voices. Uh, and so right now I'm very much 70% in the front, uh, 30% in the back. But I'd say six months ago, it was probably 20% up front and 80% in the back. So it all depends. Yeah, I was going to ask you to work backwards in time because I know that it didn't start 70-30, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, what was it four years ago? I mean, four years ago, I was still trying to figure out what to do. So I, I told myself I was 100% entrepreneur when I wasn't working my day job, but it was probably 10%, yeah. you know, and like that's, that's just the reality. I wasn't giving it my all. But when I first went, I mean, I was 100% on the back end. Everything yeah. was, on the, everything was trying to make that next sale. Everything was trying to, you know, get the, 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 all the, the ducks in a row, like steps one through 10, whatever. Um, that, was, that was just two and a half years ago, but it's been able to kind of generate into 70-30. Yeah, I think that's a really important thing also for, for aspiring or, you know, younger entrepreneurs to hear is that, you know, a lot of times people buy into mentally or financially, whatever, they buy into the, the, the picture that they see, which is, you know, whatever, whatever percentage of somebody's life you're seeing, it's 100% them on the front end. That's why it's the picture, right? And they buy into that. And it's really a lot harder to see what it looks like on the back. And then as soon as you get into it, in me, I mean, if you're, if you're learning from anyone worth the salt, they basically say, go, to the, go behind the stage and learn how to be a, do the lighting and run the sound and do all the stuff that nobody claps for. And, and you're going to be back there for probably a year before, anybody, before you even get to sell anything, maybe, right? I mean, you know, I mean, it's yeah. that dynamic. It's like, that's not in the brochure. Um, but yeah, I dude, like, it's so funny that you, it's so funny that you go, go behind the stage. When I look at my event, the, the, my, I did my event for the first time last May. Okay. And, um, so May of 2019 and it was a sold out event. It was amazing. And it ran smooth other than a couple hiccups, but that just, that's part of it. It was a team of me. Huh. Did everything. Now I had a lighting and sound guys that came in and stuff like that, but all like everything was me from the build out to getting the speakers, to selling the tickets, to getting all the promo material done. It was me. And um, number one, I'm glad I did it myself. Number two, I'll never do it all myself again. Yeah. Um, but I'm glad. So like, I'm very much about learning. Like I need to learn how it's done before I, number one, because I want to teach it. Yeah. So I'm going to teach somebody how to do that within their business. Like I need to be able to do it. Um, and so I've, I did it all myself. Uh, and actually this year, the goal was to double it in size. And I knew that I, I couldn't do that on my own. So I have, have a number of people helping. Well, uh, I mean, that's, I think that's so cool. And it, and it just creates such credibility. You know, it's like you said, I mean, I love Gary Vee, nothing against Gary Vee, but like his advice on a personal brand, social media strategy is just not totally relevant advice right? for, for most people. So I, I think that's super cool that you did that. Well, Listen, man, I, I get the sense we could probably talk for hours. Um, sure, man. This is and, I, and I would love to do that. But I also, and actually, I should ask you, like, what's the ideal length for a podcast episode? Because you've done hundreds <laughs> of them. Um, so honestly, it's, it's whatever your audience needs. Yeah. Um, and so when people ask me all the time about like certain things and this, and yeah, there's formatting and intros and outros and stuff like that. But when it comes to content, it's really what does your audience need and deliver for them every single week? Yeah, um, that's the thing, dude, like Rogan, Rogan has the most solid, I mean, he's got paid a hundred million dollars a year from Spotify because of how big his audience is. Um, and his, his podcasts at times are five hours long, but he's a Robert Downey Jr. An hour and 15 minutes. Yeah. So it, it's really about like, 
is there more to come? Is there more to get out of somebody? I personally try and stay between 35 to 45 minutes because after, after doing it for, you know, four years, I found that that's kind of the, where I saw people hanging around and being more engaged and stuff like that. But I had Bert Kreischer on the show and we went an hour and 45. Huh. And so if I'm enjoying the conversation, I'll stick around, but I try and give my audience what they need. Yeah. There's also the logistics of what was the guest expecting, right? What, what, how long did you tell them it was going to be? And as all this, it's, it's so fun, you know, and one of the things I love about this format is like, you know, in, in, in other things that I do, and I assume for you, you're sort of just presenting the finished product, right? You're presenting the polished, uh, the polished package with this. I actually like getting really raw and almost like, almost like uh, messy. Yeah. Where it's like, you know, listen, I've done 15 of these podcast episodes. This is part of being an entrepreneur. Like I've been doing this 12 years and I've done really well in certain things, but like every time you try to do something new, you're a baby again, learning to walk, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. and that's, and you have to fall in love with that. I think one of the things I see, so it's, it's maybe the biggest, I don't know, there's probably multiple, the biggest struggles that, that entrepreneurs have, but it's like adults hate looking stupid. When you're a kid in, in kindergarten and the teacher's like, well, what, you know, little Billy, what's four plus four? If little Billy doesn't know, he's not like, ah, and runs out of the room. <laughs> he's just like, yeah, I don't know, Miss Watson. What is it? And she's like, it's eight, you know? And he's like, oh, okay. Like you're expected to not know stuff back then. Now right. it's like, we're supposed to have our, you know, we're supposed to have it all together. We got a mortgage to pay and we got family, we got dependents, we got a job to do. Like, we can't look dumb. We can't admit that we have no clue what we're doing most of the time we're doing it. And so by definition, most people completely reject or resist the reality of being an entrepreneur because it's basically feeling like you don't know what you're doing a whole lot of the time. And, and you nailed it because it's about implementation and action. There's an inverse relationship to how well you're doing and how dumb you feel. Because how well you're doing is directly correlated with how much you're doing. And the more you're doing, the more in over your, he your head you are, which means the dumber you feel the more yeah. of the time. Yep. Right? Dude, I feel dumb. I feel dumb all the time. Uh, and I do it on purpose, actually. I made it a rule that I, I, if I, especially if I go to like an event or something, it's obviously easier to dictate them. But I, I make sure that I'm the dumbest guy in every room I'm in. Um, you know, I, I actually just recently spoke about this on, in, or on, on social media when I was a kid, I was afraid to raise my hand and ask questions when I didn't understand something mm. because I was afraid of judgment. I was afraid of rejection. I was afraid of people laughing at me. Um, now I ask questions for a living. Like you have to understand that, right? So I'm constantly learning. And the more open I am about the things I don't know to my audience, the more they want to learn from me because I go, Oh shit, this guy's relatable. And so it's this really weird thing where you have this internal struggle of thinking people are going to laugh at you when you're like vulnerable like that. But the reality is they want to learn more from you because they're, you're relatable. Uh, and so all my podcasts have actually on iTunes, they're slowly disappearing. Once you get to 300 on iTunes, they start to disappear. Huh. Um, but I always say, go back and listen to the beginning of my podcast. I was terrible. I was a terrible host. I didn't know what I was doing. I had a co-host that didn't know what he was doing. That was even made it worse. Um, and actually it was funny. My le my worst episode of all time was episode five. We had a guy named Brian Scudamore on, uh, who was the CEO of 100 got junk. He was like the big name we got off the bat. And I was like, this is crazy. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I shit the bed. Sorry if I can't curse in here, but I, uh -huh. I, I did. All right, good. Cool. So I did terrible. Right. right. And uh, 
long story short, he ended up coming back on the show many years later. Uh, and we, we did it again. And it was just really cool redemption little story for me. Cause I was like, bro, it was the last, it was the worst interview I ever did. And he goes, I don't mean to insult you, but I don't remember it. He's like, but so it couldn't have been that bad. And I was yeah. like, I, I appreciate it, man. But him and I now stay in touch and he's just be, you know, been a really good dude, uh, you know, and a distant mentor to me in, in a sense, but, but yeah, man, like it's just about showing up and getting better slowly, but being really real about the journey. Well, he probably felt right at home because he showed up and got junk and okay, <laughs> this is exactly what it should be. I can uh, throw this out for you. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but no. Okay. So oh, I totally lost my train of thought. Well, that's not supposed to happen. Man, that was a good question too. Um, yeah, no, dude. Okay, so, so I'll tell you what, I, I need to ask. I have a little checklist of like things to ask. How does somebody follow you if they want to get a hold of you? They want to learn yeah, more. Yeah, so uh, Instagram's cool. I, I spend a lot of time there. It's Justin T. Shank. Uh, you, can, you can check the spelling of the last name in the description of the show. Everybody gets it wrong. Uh, but it's Justin T. Shank over there. Uh, or they can just, wherever they listen to this podcast, if they want to hop over and, and search Growth Now Movement and check that out. Um, all the resources are there. Um, and look, honestly, if they're an aspiring entrepreneur who's looking to truly implement in their life, I do have a mastermind that I'm giving 30 days for free in right now. Cool. Um, they can go to purposeandmovement.com, fill out the form, somebody will be in touch. We bring in guest mentors every single month. And actually this month uh, is actually Hal Elrod. So um, oh, cool. we're re- yeah, we're, we're really focused on bringing you know, teachers in that have taught us in our lives. I, I run the mastermind with a friend of mine. Um, but yeah, so they can check all that stuff out. I was just talking about savers this morning with someone. Uh, the nice morning method. What, what was the domain for that? For the uh, master purpose and movement.com purpose in purpose end and a n d movement.com. Yep. Purpose and movement.com. Actually you should check that. You may have a hosting issue. Really? That's yeah. I may, I mean, the, those things we, we, we had one last night. Our site was down from 2 a.m. to 7 a.m. We found out this morning when we checked the log. So Jeez. just more, more entrepreneurial day in the life of, right? <laughs> um, cool, man. Well, dude, I have, <laughs> dude, I have it's, not, it's nonstop. Yeah. It just never stops. My, my word, um, man, I've really enjoyed this. I really appreciate it. I, uh, I'm going to say, I, I know there's a lot more I could dig out of you and I'm going to save it. Cause I hope that you'll, you'll be willing to come back one of these days. For sure, man, dude, like, honestly, like being this early on, like you're crushing it. Like you're a great host. I appreciate the time. I would love to come back on and I'm sure we'll stay in touch and uh, see how we can support each other. Yeah, that sounds amazing. Um, congrats on your event. I, if you're able to have it, I, I know it's going to be a smash success when you're able to have it. And uh, I just appreciate your time. Everybody check out Justin Shank. Uh, your, your, I have gnmlive.com. That's the, is that the site for your event? Yeah, that's the event site. Yeah. Okay. And we'll get all these links and put them below. Uh, but dude, I just appreciate you. And I look forward to uh, connecting again. Dude, thank you so much. I appreciate it. For sure. You just finished this episode of the Millionaire Secrets podcast. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please like and share this episode and do leave us a review. Let us know how we impacted you today. Your next step toward creating your awesome life is to join me and thousands of others in the Entra Nation community where you'll receive free training, networking with other awesome life seekers, access to live events, discounts, merchandise, and other awesome perks. Head over to www.entranation.com. That is www.entrenation.com 
and join us today. And of course, do please follow me on social media. I can be found on all the major social networks at Jeff Lerner Official. Thank you again for listening and please go be awesome.